Welcome to Truth for Transformation with Timothy Brown. Timothy is the lead pastor of Arden First Baptist Church in Arden, North Carolina. Our mission is to lead ordinary people into extraordinary life in Christ. We pray that today's message inspires you to live an extraordinary life in Jesus Christ. Check out our website for more inspiring resources, ardenfbc.com. Now, here's today's message from Pastor Timothy Brown. Uh, We're excited to continue in our series, This Changes Everything. So a few announcements this week, God willing, if you live within five miles of the church, you should be getting a postcard that looks similar to this. So I encourage you to use that as a tool to invite your neighbor. Hey, did you get the card? Because if you got the card, your neighbor got the card. And invite them to come. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday. That's where we celebrate Jesus coming in and them screaming Hosanna. And Lord willing, we're going to have a baptism back here. So if you know anyone that needs to get baptized in the church, they've followed Christ, but they haven't followed through with believer's baptism, we'd love to have the opportunity to baptize you on Palm Sunday. Great celebration. And then the following Sunday is what? Easter. So I encourage you to invite, invite, invite. This is one of the few times of the year where you invite people. Most people will come on Easter or Christmas, right? So please invite people. Uh, A few announcements about Easter. For both services, we're encouraging everyone to show up 30 minutes early. We're going to have uh, refreshments in the fellowship hall. So you can grab coffee, refreshments. They won't be in the breezeway. They'll be in the fellowship hall. So a chance to connect and then come on up and both services will be up here instead of just the 1030 service. So let's go to the Lord in prayer as we prepare hearts for the word today. Father, we thank you for each person that's here, for all of our guests. Thank you for those who are watching online on Arden at the go, on the go. And I just pray, Lord, that you would bless your word today and that we would be encouraged as we prepare ourselves for Easter, as we take this journey to the cross as we cover different passages that kind of prepare us for what Jesus did for us. Lord, we pray your blessing on the reading and upon the listening of your word. We pray that you would bless this spiritual meal we're about to partake in. And we pray that it would cause us not just to be informed, but transformed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be in Luke today. Um, You can go ahead and turn there. The passage is Luke chapter 10. Uh, Welcome to everyone, Arden on the go, watching online. We're so glad you're with us. Uh, Before we begin, is it okay if I start with a confession? Is that okay? They say confession is good for the soul. Well, in recent times past and even in times present, I'll be in the middle of a conversation with my wife and she'll stop me and say, Timothy, are you listening to me? Can any of you other gentlemen relate? And the thing is, uh, gentlemen, is I can almost repeat probably 90% of what she said. But for her, it's not about recalling facts and details. It's about entering into the emotion of the moment. And she can tell when I'm distracted while I'm listening. And something about most of you ladies, you seem to have a sixth sense where you can tell and discern whether someone is really listening And science tells us a little bit about that. Our brains are a little different. It's been said that a woman's brain is kind of like spaghetti. All the noodles are touching each other. And what happened at work affects your conversation and is all intertwined. For most men, our brain is like a waffle. And each waffle has a little section. And when you're in that section, it's hard to transverse into another section. 
So if we're in the nothing box, i.e. watching Sports Center or whatever, reading the newspaper, it's hard to like transition into conversation. So when your wife comes up and she wants to have a long, deep conversation, we need a little transition time. And all the guys said, Amen. It's true. It's true. So how many of us want people to be fully engaged without distraction when we're talking to them? I mean, most people would say yes, right? Well, today we're going to look at a passage about two ladies, and both of them were devoted to Jesus, but one primarily was distracted in her devotion. So today's message is called, Are You Distracted in Your Devotion? So we're going to be, as I mentioned, in Luke chapter 10. Again, welcome to everyone, including those watching online. In verse 38, it said, Now it happened that Jesus entered a certain village, and a certain woman named, what's her name? Martha. Welcome him into her house. Notice that Martha owns the house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Have you ever been in a mood where you're tempted to tell God what to do? Martha was kind of in that place right now. Look how Jesus responds so gently. Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. God bless his word. So the question I asked at the beginning, are you distracted in your devotion? Now, for all the people who relate to Martha, both men and women who relate to Martha, I want to give a disclaimer. This is not a Mary versus Martha message. How many of you Marthas have ever felt guilty after heard this passage taught? You're like, man, just sit at the feet of Jesus and I'm so busy serving I think we're going to take this a little different twist than maybe you've heard it before. Both ladies we're going to learn from. And both ladies eventually grow in grace. So I'm going to talk about two ladies. There's going to be one major life lesson and then there's going to be a surprise at the end. All right. So first of all, we have Martha. She was devoted, but she was distracted. Look, look back at verse 38 in your passage. It says, now it happened As they entered a certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed her into her house. And the passage goes on to say in verse number 40 that she was distracted with much service. So the town they're at is a place called Bethany. This is about two miles from Jerusalem. And this will, as we march towards the cross, in the final week of Jesus' life, as you fast forward in the Gospels a year or so later, Bethany is one of the final stops before Jesus enters into Jerusalem. And this is one of Jesus' favorite places. It's the home of Martha. And Mary's there and Lazarus is there. And Martha, we find her, she's active. And she's doing many things well. So let's talk about all the good things she's doing well. Number one, she welcomed Jesus. This is called the gift of what? Hospitality. So Martha was probably what we consider an amazing hostess. I think of a Martha Stewart type personality, no pun intended. Uh, But Martha welcomed Jesus. She probably had her house clean. She was the type that every time you went to Martha's house, you know that you're going to get a good meal. You're going to be welcome. The place is going to smell good. It's going to look good. 
But see, Jesus did not rebuke her for being good at hospitality. We're going to talk about what he challenged her with. She also owned a home. In this culture, it was rare for a woman to own her own home. Now, in today's culture, it's, it's common. But then, it was typically the man that owned the home. It was typically the man that got the inheritance. So Martha, we don't know how she owned her own home. Maybe she had an inheritance. Maybe it's because of her hard work. We're not told. She was a hard worker. She was great at service. But Martha needed to refocus in one area. She was so busy doing things for Jesus, she didn't take time to be with Jesus. And what Martha doesn't know, we're told later, is something major is getting ready to happen in her life, a major crisis. What what happens to her? Her brother's getting ready to die, right? So this was not just for Jesus' sake, him being there to be welcome, but this was also for Martha's sake because a crisis is getting ready to occur and she of all people need time to be with Jesus because a crisis is getting ready to hit her. So have you ever found yourself, you are devoted to Jesus, like you're serving Him, but yet you're distracted in your devotion? You ever find yourself doing great things for God that you don't take time to be with God? So here's the thing. Jesus was not concerned that she was serving. Jesus is not telling Martha to stop being hospitable. That's not the point. The point is Martha put duty ahead of devotion. So for all my Marthas, this is not a rebuke to you. This is just a challenge to in your duty. Remember, devotion comes before duty. If you don't put devotion ahead of duty, eventually your duty will lead to drudgery. You ever experience just the feelings of like overwhelmed? I'm never going to teach that six boys, sixth grade boys Sunday school class again. Man, I served so many people. I served 200 meals. No one ever said thank you. It's so easy to get there. And here's the thing. Some applications we can take from Martha. And I want you to write these down. Don't be so busy working for Jesus that you don't take time to spend with Jesus. Don't be so busy working for Jesus that you don't take time to be with Jesus. Something you can remember is that a good thing becomes a bad thing if it gets in the way of a great thing. I'll say that again. A good thing becomes a bad thing if it gets in the way of the best thing. So here's the thing. Martha, it's great to serve, but she needed to take time to be with Jesus, to sit at his feet. Another application is the word of God should always take precedence in one's life and ministry. As important as a home-cooked meal is, and I encourage all the Marthas, men and women alike, keep cooking, keep serving. We need, it's good. I mean, we, we say amen. Just remember that devotion always comes before duty. That who you are in Christ is far more important than what you do for Christ. So focus on the who before you get to the do. So what happens in life, in ministry, in the church... When we are focused so much on doing for Jesus instead of being with Jesus. One of the things that can occur is burnout. By a show of hands, how many of you have ever been burnt out at the church before? Anyone in kids ministry can raise their hand, right? So here's the thing. My wife, bless her, she's with the kids right now. Uh, you know, but she's, she's not burnt out. She's loving it. So here's the thing. I, I, we have a quote here I want to kind of you to soak, soak on is that when your output exceeds your intake. In other words, you're, you're giving more than what's being replenished. 
you are heading towards what? Burnout. Distraction can lead to disillusionment. And disillusionment leads to discouragement. And eventually, if you're discouraged, guess what's going to happen? You're going to burn out and you're going to eventually drop out. So that explains uh, one of the stats. I can't remember exactly, so forgive me if I'm misquoting, but Tom Rainier, I think it's something like since COVID, about 30% of pastors have dropped out of ministry or retired or they're done. Why? Well, it's burnout. It's, it's so much going on in our world and we need that 30% back, right? I mean, that's, that's just so much. So what, what we try to do, Arden, just to give you an example, we've kind of changed our philosophy of, of ministry where we allow people that serve every year, you have a chance to take a break or to re-up. So if you're on a service team and you're starting to feel a little burnout, go to, go to the person that's leading up your ministry and say, hey, I need a little time of, of, of rest and renewal. And you know what we'll say? Amen. Next person up. So if you are giving out more than what's putting in, it's going to lead to burnout. Another thing is you begin to operate in your flesh. Did you know it's possible to preach a sermon in your flesh? You're like, what do you mean by flesh? I'm talking about your human abilities, your human nature. It's easy. Let me give you an example. I could preach my heart out and be like, no one said amen. No one even smiled. And I'm complaining. That means I'm probably operating in my flesh because in the spirit, I I see things differently. In the spirit, I see what could be, not what just is. So let's go back to maybe you're preparing a meal and you serve 200 meals and nobody said thank you. And eventually you're distracted, then you're discouraged, and then you're disillusioned, and then you experience dropout. So I want you to think about it. If you are growing resentful in your service, if you're feeling burned out, it may mean that you are distracted in your devotion. No, I'm not coming to your aisle. You don't have to worry about some of you came from churches where they're running the aisles preaching. We don't do that here. So I want you to think about Martha. Martha is a great lady. She's serving. She's devoted. She's making meals. Now, I want you to think about how many meals she's cooking. You've got the 12 grown men apostles, right? Jesus hasn't, Judas hasn't defected yet. Then you've got Lazarus, that's 13. Then you got Jesus, that's 14. Then you got Mary, that's at least 15 grown adults you're preparing for. So Martha is here. And I want you to listen to the disciple, a distracted disciple. Go back to, I believe it's verse 40. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me alone to serve? Please tell her to help me. So all of a sudden, when you're distracted in your devotion, you begin to think you're all alone. God, I'm alone. You begin to look down on others who aren't serving as much as you. Like Mary, she's listening to another Bible study. She's listening to another sermon, another podcast. And here I am, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning. If it wasn't for my house, Mary, you couldn't listen to Jesus. If it wasn't for my food, maybe Jesus wouldn't be here. And in your devotion, you're distracted. I don't don't know about you, but I'm sure I've been there. And it's like, Jesus is there. Your brother's getting ready to die, and yet, in your devotion, you're so distracted. And then a distracted disciple grows bossy. Notice she tells Jesus, tell her to come help me. (laughs) When you begin to tell Jesus what to do, it's kind of like the way it is in 2022. It's like, Lord, I've been serving for 20 years in the Sunday school department. Lord, I've been leading the women's ministry for 10 years. Lord, so I deserve this. So, here's the thing. 
The whole time Martha was doing great things, but she had forgot that who you are in Christ is more important than what you do for Christ. So you have to focus on the who before getting to the do. All right, so we have Martha. Great lady, great purpose. The lesson that she's learning is devotion comes before duty. All right, the second lady, who's the second lady? Martha's sister was named Mary. She was devoted without distraction. And by the way, at the end, there's going to be a surprise even for Mary. But Mary was devoted. She was sitting. She was hanging on every word of Jesus. She was there. She was taking it all in. And Mary probably, this is just my, my observation, I could be wrong, most likely she'd be one of those social extroverts, the butterfly that the disciples are here. Mary's like, hey guys, how are you? You know, she's hanging out with Jesus and the apostles. Um, Mary's the type that when she comes into a room, she lights up the room. And if she has to choose between chores or having a conversation, she's going to choose what? Conversation. All right, cook a meal or hang out with Jesus. How many of you relate more to Mary? Like, let someone else do the work. I, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dive in and sit at the feet of Jesus. Now, what's interesting about Mary is all three times in the gospel, she's seen in one location. Does anybody know where she's always seen at? At the feet of Jesus. All right, let's throw the scriptures up. The one we just read... Luke 10.39, she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. All right, let's go to the next passage. Next time she's mentioned. Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him. This is when Lazarus died. She said she fell down at his feet and said, Lord, if you had not been here, my brother would not have died. All right, next chapter in John 12. Lazarus has been brought back to life after being dead four days. And this is the final week of Jesus' life as we're marching to the cross. It says, Mary took a, a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed what? The feet of Jesus. So here she is again, every time at the feet of Jesus. And in our culture, it doesn't translate, but in that culture, when you sat at the feet of a rabbi, it meant that you were his disciple. And by the way, that was countercultural. It was culturally expected for a woman. And ladies, don't get mad at me. This is not my philosophy. This is the old, this is the Jewish culture, okay? A woman was expected to be the host and to cook and to clean and do all that. I know ladies are like, ah, that, that, that was that culture, okay? And the man was, he could be, he could sit at the feet of the rabbi and he could learn. So what's interesting is Jesus goes countercultural. Instead of identifying the cultural norms of women in this place and men over here, he allows Mary to sit at his, at his feet as a disciple. And that was countercultural. So ladies, you may want to write in your notes that Jesus elevated the status of women in his culture. Everywhere Christianity goes, women are not demeaned, but women, the status is exalted. And um, some of the staff, we joke about this, but one little known fact of the Bible, does anybody know how Jesus, how his ministry was funded financially? Wealthy women, right? And we always joke about that. A lot of people don't know, but Jesus used women in the ministry. So this is Mary sitting at his feet. We see Mary, she was a sacrificial giver. What we see later in John, this perfume, it was worth about a year's wages. So she was sacrificial. Uh, we see that she was demonstrative in her love. She poured out this fragrant oil and wiped it with her hair. Mary was a devotion purse type of person. Let's just be together and then, then we'll go from there. So both disciples were devoted but Mary took time to be with Jesus before she attempted to do anything for Jesus. 
Nelson Bell, she was a Ruth Graham's, he was, excuse me, Ruth Graham's father. Many of us really admire Billy Graham and Ruth, but her father, Nelson, was a missionary in Russia, a medical missionary, excuse me, in China. And what's interesting about him, as he served in China, he waited on 400 different beds. Now think about that, 400 beds, and he was the only doctor in this medical mission. But what, what really struck my heart chord, he had to be there at 6.30 in the morning. Guess what time he got up in the morning? 4.30 every morning so he could spend two hours in prayer and Bible study. I mean, that just blows my mind because he realized that devotion had to come before duty. Devotion had to come before duty. So I want you guys to always remember and take this truth home with you that who you are in Christ is more important than what you do for Christ. So you have to focus on the who before getting to the do. Amen. So as I look at this story, I have to reflect. I I grew up in the church like some of you. Some of you, this may be your first Sunday in church, but I grew up in the church. But the church, I may have not been listening, but I never knew how to do a daily devotional time. How many of you could say that was true? I just, I went to church, you know, and I heard the word, but throughout the week, occasionally I pick up the Bible. Most of the time, I, I just, I just heard it on church. I was like a Sunday morning Christian, right? I heard the, heard the word and went, went about my week. And at the age of 14, when I was in eighth grade, getting ready to go to the ninth grade, I went to a summer camp just down the road here in Brevard, a camp called the Wilds. And it was a Christian summer camp. And, Basically, we went for a week. It was actually during springtime instead of the summer. We went for a week and they, they, they basically challenged all the campers. Hey, I want you to get your Bible, get a notepad and go out in the woods. And I want you to get with God and pick a passage and read it. And for some of us, myself included, it was awkward because I had really, I hate to say this, up to 14, I never had spent much time in the Bible alone with God. I'd done it in a corporate setting in church, but... And the counselor that week told us that, gave us the challenge, how many of you teenagers would go one, one, one day without a meal? I mean, how many teenage guy or girl would raise their, I mean, we eat four or five meals a day, right? Eat all the time. And they said, why would you go a week, uh, a day without, you wouldn't skip a meal, but how many of you would go a week without the word? And I'm like, wow. So he, they challenged us this, this was the challenge. I want you to make a commitment to God and be serious about a commitment because you don't want to make it and not keep it. But to read the Bible and pray every single day, just make a, even if it's a minute, five minutes, make the commitment. So at 14 years old, I made that commitment. 26 years later, I'm still in that commitment every day, no matter what. And there's been days where I almost forgot. I still remember my parents I must have been going to Florida uh, and a long road trip. And I remember laying in bed at night, the hotel and the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, Timothy, you forgot to read the Bible. And I'm like, and it wasn't because you had to, it was because I got to. I got to spend time with Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. All right, so we have two ladies. We have Mary and we have Martha. Martha is distracted in her devotion, but she's learning. And Mary is distracted without devotion. But then there's one takeaway. And this is the big takeaway. Let's throw point number three on the screen. We need to choose to be with Jesus before you attempt to do anything for Jesus. So here's the thing. Jesus is not rebuking Martha for hospitality. Jesus is not rebuking Martha for having a home, for cooking a meal. The challenge in verse 42, let's go back. Let's see what he rebukes her of. He says, one thing is needed. 
And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away from her. So Martha was distracted by many things, and Jesus said only one thing is needed. What was the one thing that was needed at that night? For them to be with Jesus. Because who you are in Christ is far more important than what you do for Christ. So we have to focus on the who before you ever get to the do. So Martha, I would encourage you today, all the Marthas that relate, men and women alike that relate to Martha, your duty first, devotion second. It's okay to be great at hospitality. It's okay at hard working. But remember, spend time with Jesus first before you ever attempt to do anything for him. So what is that one thing? All of your life... You have been searching for that one thing. If you can go back to when you were in third grade. How many of you can remember that far ago? Alright, third grade. That one thing was, if I can just make two or three good friends, that's the one thing that will satisfy me. I just want to have a few good friends. I remember that. And then, when you get to middle school, you're like, two or three friends, that's not real enough. I want to be popular. I want to have a whole entourage of friends. That when I walk in a room, there's a crowd behind me. And if that wasn't your goal, it was to be the smartest kid in the class. It was hard to do both, but you usually went after one. So either you were the smartest kid in the class, or you got the entourage, and you got to high school, and you're like, you know, that really didn't satisfy it. I was the smartest kid in the class, or I had the popularity. You know what, I just want to get out of school, and the one thing was either I'll get a job and skip college, or I'll go to college. For those of you who went to college, you're like, man... This college thing is not what I thought it'd be. I'm staying up late. I'm drinking nasty Folgers coffee at midnight trying to study for this exam. This is not what I thought it would be. So you're like, all right, my next thing, if I could just have this one thing, I want to convince one person. I just got to somehow convince one person to spend the rest of their lives with me. And if I can just convince, scheme, trick someone into spending the rest of their life with me, then I'll be okay. And guess what? For those of you who are married, you convince someone to spend the rest of your life. And then you're like, this is good. I love marriage. But, you know, I'm just dreaming of having 2.5 kids and the white picket fence. And once I get the house with the white picket fence and 2.5 kids, then I will be happy. So you have the kids. And the kids are a blessing, right? All the parents said, amen. But it just... There seems to be something missing. Right now, you're just poor. I mean, you're barely able to pay for diapers. You're barely able to pay for their sporting events. And you're just like, the one thing I really need is just some money in the bank account. Can anybody relate? I just need some money. So I'm going to have to go after a different career path. Yes, I'm going to have to work more. So you get the job. You get the career. You start making more money. And you're like, man, I'm getting wore out. I'm working 50, 60 hours a week. The one thing I wish I could do is I just want to retire. Because once I retire, I can soak it up with my soulmate. We're going to travel. We're going to go places I can never go. Hopefully I get to retire a little early so I have the health to enjoy it. So you retire. You go to a few beaches. You go to a few places. And then you're like, man, now I'm starting to have health issues. Man, I'm starting to, I'm starting to just really worry if I'm going to have enough money to make it through retirement because I retired so young. What is the one thing? Can I solve the one thing for you? Jesus said in Luke 10, 32, he says, one thing is needed and Mary has chosen the good part. What's the one thing? The one thing is to be with Jesus. That's the greatest thing. None of those things are bad, like having friends or graduating college or having a job or having some resources in the bank or traveling. None of those things are bad. But listen, you guys are masterful artists. And here's the challenge. 
Don't use your best colors on the painting of today, which becomes yesterday's history. Use your best, most creative colors on the canvas of eternity. In other words, spend more time focusing on that which lasts forever and less time focusing on that which lasts for the moment. Because we only have one life to live. It'll soon be over. And only what you do for Jesus will last. Mary has chosen the best part. So this is something we all got to capture. That who you are in Jesus is far more important than what you do for Jesus. So start focusing on the who before you get to the do. Alright, you guys need a commercial break, I can tell. I can tell. This is a little heavy for some of the Marys and Marthas and everyone in between. So... How many of you have a favorite song you like to play at work? Like your work playlist, alright? Some of you have it. So we're going to do something a little different in church, and you don't have to participate. For those who are willing to participate, I want all the Marys to stand up. Those who relate to Mary. You're social, you love just being with Jesus, you know, you're okay sitting at His feet. Alright, i got a few Marys. Alright, so, the guys can stand. So, you guys ever heard the song Sunshine in Your Pocket? All right, let's play. I'm just going to play a little clip. This is your theme song. <laughs> you can dance if you want. All right, Marys, give yourself, let's give the Marys a hand. Now, Martha's, you're sitting back analyzing this. Where is this going? What is the point of this? <laughs> I'm hearing some deep belly laughs and you get what I'm saying. The berries are like, oh yes, I wish I could. Martha's like, where is this going? All right, if you're willing to admit that you relate more to Martha, go ahead and stand. We've got a lot of workers in the church, amen. So we're going to go a little vintage. We're going to go a little vintage. This is back to, I don't know if it's the 70s or 80s, but it's pretty vintage. Let's play this little clip. All right, all right. We're going to, let's give the Marthas a hand. (laughs) For the Marthas, it's not nine to five, it's like nine to nine, okay? (laughs) So, all right, your commercial break's over. Now, there is a stunning surprise, and I didn't catch this first time I'm preaching. I have to apologize on behalf of all preachers, myself included. When I first preached it, it was a Mary versus Martha sermon. How many of you have heard it preached that way? Got to be more like Mary. But when you go to John chapter 12, there's a surprise, okay? And I wish I would have got this and, you know, you learn as you grow. But let me give you the surprise. Six days before the Passover, we're getting ready for Easter. Jesus comes to Bethany, so comes to the same place. Where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there they made him a supper. Guess who's serving? Martha's serving. And Lazarus is one of those who sat at the table with him. Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. So, here's what I want you to get. Martha is serving, but this time she's not complaining. Martha is serving. This time Jesus doesn't rebuke her. So here's the thing. 
I don't think God wants Martha to stop being Martha. But this time, Martha has seen Jesus raise her brother from the dead. She now knows that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Martha didn't realize, but the first time that they had this dinner, which probably wasn't the first time, but the first time recorded, she needed to spend time with Jesus to prepare her what was coming ahead, i.e. her brother dying. But now, Martha most likely has really spent a lot of time with Jesus. So now, she's still serving, but she's serving with joy. She's not serving in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Jesus doesn't rebuke her this time. Alright, now we have Mary. Did you know that Mary also grew in grace? Because here's the question all the Marthas have. You may tell you the, the question that every Martha has. If everyone was a Mary, who would do the serving? Right? If everyone was like Mary, I mean, who's going to cook? Who's going to clean? Who's going to, who's going to prepare the party? But get this. Mary is at the feet of Jesus again, but this time she's not just sitting. She's serving. So here's the, here's the, here's the twist of this whole story. We can learn from both ladies. And both ladies grow in grace. So I think the perfect combo would be a Mary-Martha combo that we need to sit at the feet of Jesus like Mary and we need to serve like Martha. And those who are like Mary, whenever you sit at the feet of Jesus, you don't stay at the feet of Jesus. Sitting should lead to serving. So I'm going to give you something I want you guys to write down. Devotion leads to emotion. Emotion leads to movement. And movement leads to mission. You may say that again. Devotion leads to emotion. Emotion leads to movement. And movement leads to mission. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, if I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus, if I'm enthralled with who He is, He's the King of kings, He's the Lord of lords, He's the one that's getting ready to die for me, He's the one that rose from the dead, He's the one that defeated sin, hell, death, and the grave, He's the one that's coming back as conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. If I know who Jesus is, I'm not just going to sit there. So my devotion leads to an emotion of love and joy. And that emotion creates motion. I don't just sit there. I stand up and I serve. So we see Mary. What is Mary doing? She's serving Jesus. She's pouring one year's worth of salary upon Him in this extravagant gift. So here's the big surprise. We need to grow. So if you are Mary... I encourage you to sit at the feet of Jesus, but don't stay there. Let that devotion turn into emotion and emotion, motion and motion, mission. And for all of our Marthas working nine to five, that song is going to carry you through the week. Um, Remember, continue to serve. But remember, devotion always comes before duty. If it doesn't, the duty will lead to drudgery and you'll eventually burn out. So let's throw the big idea on the screen. What's the one big idea of today? Who you are in Jesus is far more important than what you do for Jesus. So focus on the what? The who before you get to the do. Our application, just two simple applications. Number one is learn to sit at the feet of Jesus before you try to be his hands and feet. So I want to encourage you, all of you who relate to Martha... Men and women alike. You're a duty first. Remember the story of Ruth Graham's father that got up two hours early. I'm not saying you have to get up two hours early. Maybe it's ten minutes. Before you get into your daily routine. Maybe you make the commitment I did as a 14 year old. And really think about it because you don't want to make a commitment and break it. But what if you made the commitment that from this day forward, 
you're going to spend at least five minutes reading the Bible in prayer. What if you made that commitment? It would change your life. I can testify. It's changed my life and it's still changing my life. Second application is focus on the who before the do. So we've got to go back to identity in Christ, who you are in Christ. Everything you do as far as ministry flows out of your identity. So we don't serve to get saved. We serve because we are saved. In Ephesians 2.10, it says God created us in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance. So here's the thing. Mary and Martha is alike. Sit at the feet of Jesus. And out of that, find who you are in Jesus and let it flow into service for Jesus. Let's pray. God, we had fun today in your house. And I thank you that you're challenging us to think differently, that this is not a Mary versus Martha sermon. I thank you that Mary, she grew and she didn't just stay seated, but her devotion turned into emotion and movement and mission. And God, for Mary, we are, for Martha, we're reminded that it's great to serve, but we always got to put this devotion first before our duty. So right now, with no one looking around, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I want to speak to the, the Marys first, that maybe you're part of the, as they say, the 20-80 rule, that 20% are doing 80% of everything, and maybe the other 80% just love sitting and feasting and loving the Word, but now you're like, that's not it. There, there's, this devotion should turn into motion. It should turn into mission. And maybe you're part of the, the other 80% that aren't really serving. Maybe your prayer is like, God, I'm really good at sitting at your feet, but I've got to learn to grow in grace. Please forgive me where I haven't done my part in the mission. As you continue to pray, the Marthas, your prayer may be something like this, that God, I'm sorry that I put duty above devotion. And I'm so good at serving, I'm really not so good at sitting. So please forgive me for that. Help me always remember to put you first by sitting at your feet before I ever do anything for you. As the Mary and Martha's pray, there may be one here today that, you know, you don't know where, where you fall on the scale. Maybe this is your first time here. Maybe first time in church. Maybe you're listening online. And right now, you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet. But today, the gospel has been presented that Jesus loves you far more than you'll ever know. Not only does he love you, but his love took him to the cross. And his love took him to the cross, but he didn't just stay dead. He rose the third day. So the gospel is the good news that if you're willing to receive Jesus into your life, you're willing to ask for forgiveness and follow him, the Bible says that faith saves you. So right where you're at, whether in person, watching online, if you've never made that step to follow Jesus, just say a prayer of faith like this. Say, dear God, I do believe the good news. And I want to receive what Jesus did on the cross, that he died for me, he was buried, he rose again. And Jesus, I want to invite you into my life. I realize that I've made mistakes, that I've sinned and fallen short of your glory. So Jesus, take away my sin. Forgive me. And I choose to follow you from this day forward for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, and all God's children said, Amen.